Hey everyone, it's great to be with you again. I'm DJ Martin, church pastor here at Parker Ford Church, and this is the next uh, teaching in our mini-series that we're doing in our midweek teachings on joy and grief. So far we had a week where we looked at the paradigm of joy and grief leading to a life of love and wisdom. We looked at working through anger and fear through the paradigm of joy and grief. And then last week, we looked at working through forgiveness through this paradigm. What I want to talk about today is um, working through rest through this paradigm that we've been looking at of joy and grief. And uh, what today is about is why we can't rest without lament. And I know that sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but stick with me. I really believe this is what uh, scripture teaches. And so just by way of review, um, look once again at the Venn diagram that we've been working on. We have grief on one side and we have joy on the other. Grief, of course, is the second beatitude. Uh, Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who grieve. They will be comforted. And joy, which is the second fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. There's love and then there's joy. Um, The life of the fool is a person who lives in the extremes in either direction. So towards fatalism um, in the grief uh, realm and towards escapism in the other direction. Either extreme is the life of a fool. The person who desires to live with wisdom, I believe, is the person who embraces both a life of joy and a life of working through grief and lament in God-honoring ways. Remember, not only did Jesus endure the cross for the joy set before him, but he's also known as the man of sorrows. In fact, on the night before his death, he said to his disciples that he was sorrowful even to the point of death. So we see that Jesus himself, as we've been looking at the last couple weeks, lived a life of balance between joy and grief, between celebration and lament. All right, moving to today's talk. This is why I think that we have to lament and grieve in order to rest. I want to start with a question. How do you feel about total silence and solitude? Like you're sitting (laughs) in a quiet room. There's no background music. There's no screens to look at. How do you feel? when you're just sitting in total silence and solitude. If you're anything like me, it can be really uncomfortable to sit in silence. And I think there's a reason why that many of us feel this way. For so many of us, when we're quiet, when we actually quiet the thoughts that we have, our soul, the internal dialogue, For so many of us, self-focused disappointment, loathing, anger, accusation, and embarrassment greet us each time we have a self-reflective moment. When you get quiet with yourself, you're confronted with yourself. And often when we're confronted with who we are and nothing to distract us or pull our attention away, it can be really uncomfortable really scary or even embarrassing. Earlier this week, I was sitting um, in, in my favorite spot to sit and read in the morning. I usually get up before anyone else in the house, and as I was sitting and I was reading in the scriptures in Jeremiah, I had this memory 
of, of a situation from a couple months ago with me and my, my youngest child, a memory that I'm not proud of. It was a situation that I feel like I really mishandled. And I, I don't know why I remembered it. I was sitting in the quiet. I was being reflective before the Lord. And all of a sudden, I have this memory of this situation that I really don't like. And so my immediate reaction was to push it away. I, I picked my Bible back up and I started reading again because I didn't want to think about it. But then I felt like the Holy Spirit invited me to go back and actually hold this situation and reflect on it. And so reluctantly, I pulled the memory back up and I I brought it before me and I thought through the situation and I I felt the emotions of the embarrassment and the disappointment and the frustration with myself that happened in that moment. And because of that, what ended up happening was I had some healing happen and I felt like the forgiveness of the Lord was able to flow in that situation. If I would have avoided that, if I would have, you know, pulled out my phone and distracted myself or self-medicated with another YouTube video or whatever, it would have been so easy to move on and miss that opportunity. I usually don't like to quote authors who quote other authors, but this is so well said that I'm going to do a double quote today. This is from Brennan Manning's book, Abba's Child. And if you haven't read Abba's Child, I highly recommend it. And in it, uh, Brennan, Brennan Manning quotes from the author James Finney, and this is what he says. The false self dreads being alone, knowing that if he would become silent within and without, he would discover himself to be nothing. That's that negative thoughts, that accusations that come against us. He goes on to say, he would be, this is the self, uh, the false self, he would be left with nothing but his own nothingness. Isn't that what we're most scared of? Our own emptiness, our own nothingness. And to the false self, which claims to be everything, such a discovery would be his undoing. So when we come to a place of rest, like true rest, not more noise, not more screens, not more binge watching, uh, our favorite shows, but when we come to a place of rest, like quiet solitude before God, often the first thing that we're confronted with is the parts of our own heart, the parts of our own lives, memories that we don't like. This is why rest can actually be terrifying. Even though it's something we crave, it's a scary thing. If we have not learned to make peace with our broken, shame-filled, naked inner selves, then it is no wonder that we avoid true rest like the plague. It's so much easier at the end of a long day to sit down in front of the TV than it is to sit down and journal or sit down and have a deep conversation with our spouse. Or just sit down and be quiet. And I think, again, to, to say this point again, I think so often it's because what confronts us when we first get quiet is the broken parts of who we are. I think that grief and lament can be a pathway to rest. So when we rest, the first thing we often encounter is parts of ourselves that we'd rather avoid. And this is where grief and lament can be a real gift from God to allow us to work through it in a healthy way. The false self needs to be grieved, not avoided. 
that voice in me that says that I'm a failure, that voice that speaks to me and says you're an embarrassment or you're not good enough, rather than me avoiding that voice, what I need to do is grieve my brokenness, grieve the ways that I'm fallen, grieve the ways that I'm finite, and and embrace it and, and learn to love as God has loved and to forgive as I've been forgiven. So this false self that we encounter when we get quiet, it needs to be grieved rather than avoided. This includes accepting forgiveness, embracing our limitations, and learning to receive unconditional love that leads to lasting change. The real transformational change that's happened in my life has happened because of the unconditional love that's been given to me by my community, by people who truly know me and who truly love me, no matter what, no matter what a fool I make of myself, no matter how embarrassing I might be in a situation, who love me in and through that. It brings healing into my life that just ushers me into this new way of living that can be glorious and and lasting. This reminds me of the story of the woman caught in adultery. In John 8, you know the story. The, the rulers bring her before Jesus and they've got stones and they're gonna stone her. And Jesus, Jesus says, let the person who's without sin cast the first stone. And then starting with the oldest to the youngest, they drop their stones and walk away. And to the woman, he says, has no one condemned you? And she says, no one, Lord. And then he looks at her and he says, neither do I. But then he says, go and sin no more. This is what happens when we confront the false self with the love of God. When it is confronted with the love of God, when it's grieved, our brokenness is properly grieved and lamented, but also uh, is confronted with the unconditional love of God. Not only are we healed, but also we're invited to go and live a transformed life. If you look at the Venn diagram, self-loathing would obviously be on the side trending towards fatalism. And just like we find love and wisdom at the intersection of grief and joy, so also we find rest at the intersection of grief and joy. As we grieve our brokenness for the joy set before us in Christ through his unconditional love, I believe that we are invited into a posture of rest. In a life of love and wisdom is found. A life of love and wisdom is found in the balance of joy and grief, and we can expect to find rest at the same place. In Isaiah 30, 15, it says this, for thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in repentance and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. So what I have uh, to leave you with today is a few questions to reflect on. Are you practicing true Sabbath rest? And secondly, how might lament and grief allow you to rest more fully?